My top five podcasters, Chris, 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 Chris Lambert, and probably myself, but this ain't about that. The mundane festival is where you at. If you've been tapped in, you know what's up. If you're a first timer, hey, welcome to the club. The cost of admission is simply a subscription. Then rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. Don't worry about change ups, the cast won't break up. Even with that million dollar contract, show up a stand up guy who's a stand up comedian with a stance on everything from food to media. So, welcome to the show. Please take your seat. Let's find out what he's got in store this week. Who, me? I'm Don. Will you open the app? Thanks for coming out. Please clap. The Mundane Festival with your host, Chris Lambert. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Mundane Festival Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lamberth, recording this on Sunday, June 18th, 2023. Remember, as always, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. If you're really into this thing, go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to shows. Give this one a five-star review. Let everybody know why you like it, because it's simply the right thing to do. And if you, you there listening, if you'd like to take your love and appreciation of this show to an even deeper level, go over to patreon.com slash mundane festival, subscribe three bucks a month for hours and hours and hours of bonus content. This is episode 654. There's no guest. It's just me sitting here in my apartment recording a high quality podcast for you and your friends, and your families, on a wonderful Sunday, on a Father's Day Sunday, nonetheless. Uh, happy Father's Day to all the dads and all the dad surrogates. Uh, hope you do something fun and enjoy yourself. This can be a rough day for a lot of people. It's a rough one for me. I'm going to be super transparent. Cried a little bit. Not before I click, not literally before I click this thing on, but before I cut this thing on cried a little bit probably gonna take a have a nice uh adult beverage habiki gonna have some habiki whiskey sometime today in honor of the late great aubrey j lamberth my dad you know my dad was a he was a an ordinary man but he was uh he was the greatest man that i ever knew and uh he was, I think the older you get, I've talked about this before on the show. You kind of look at your parents, if they're good ones, as these superheroes when you're a kid. Uh, my dad was definitely my hero. But um, and when you get older, you realize, you know, that's that's just a guy. That's just a that's just a that was that's just a dude trying to figure shit out. And while I was a kid, he would tell me he would tell me those things. He would he was a he was a guy that would uh, admit something if he was wrong. Um, and he would say, oh, I, I probably shouldn't have did that. <laughs> so I was thinking this and I probably shouldn't have maybe a little too hard on you. Uh, it's my own shit. So I'm sorry. Let's 
let's go to the movies or some something like that. I don't know. I'll buy you a toy. <laughs> I'll take you to Toys R Us. I fucked up. Um, I don't think he really did. Anyway, but he was a he was a good guy. And uh, when you get start to get older, it just becomes even more impressive if you had a good parent. It'd be like, wow, this guy was an ordinary man, but he did an extraordinary thing. He raised me. He he raised my weird, sensitive ass, and uh, left the place uh, better than he found it. And uh, I think that's. Ah, woo! I think that's that. That's all you can hope for in 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 your life, uh, despite all the goals and everything you want to achieve. Uh, he's a good dude, and and he was uh, he was a protector, and you realize how much like when that protector, that hero, is gone. It's uh, you realize how good you had it. I mean, I always knew I was always thankful for him, but it was just it was just like, God, the world is a little more colder without him. And for the worst day in your life to be the day that he's gone, he did a lot of protecting. And uh, thanks, Dad. Uh, try not to get too emotional. Woo! I know most of you like it when I cry. Most of you, most of you like that. Uh, Chris cried on this episode. I'll fucking listen to that. Uh, but I don't think I don't think I'm a. I don't think I'm. A, I'm not a tough guy. I'm still a man though. Um. Yeah. So happy Father's Day. Uh, if you're having a rough time, do something that you and your dad like to do together. Uh. And just uh, remember the good times. I mean, that's all you can do. And be be kind. If you have a dad, uh, tell him you love him. I was listening to um, uh, Michael Wilbon on uh, Lebetard's show a couple days ago. And Michael Wilbon was talking about his parents. I didn't finish it, but I was, it was a touching moment. It was a, a very telling moment. His Michael Wilbon is probably how old is he? I think he's he's got to be in his sixties now. Michael, I'm gonna look it up. Did not know I was gonna talk about this. Um, that's what happens on this podcast, you know. If you've been listening, he's sixty four. Oh, he looks great for sixty four. I didn't know he was that old. That's not that. That's not old, but I didn't know he was as old as he is. Anyway. Uh, He was talking about his dad and his dad. He loved his dad and blah, blah, blah. But his dad never told him that he loved him. And he said the only time he kissed his dad was when his dad was laying in the casket. He kissed his dad on the forehead. And that was not my dad. I I would hug him and everything like that. I hugged him a lot more and kissed him a lot more in his uh, old, old age um, but he knew he knew that uh, I loved him, and that that to me was sad. Even though his father led by example, when you think about fences, when he said you don't like me, this I like you, you know. Everybody talks about that scene, what he what what uh, how love is expressed in some of those um, families and whatnot, like black families. I, I don't know families in general, but that's the culture that I'm from. So I am going to speak from that perspective. And say, you know, so it's it's not it's kind of uncommon to be loving 
on your kids like that in the black community if you're a man in in some respects. And I think my dad did a great job of kind of breaking the not not kind of he breaking some of those generational curses and uh, generational bullshit. I think he um, he did a great job of that. And it makes me who I am. Sometimes to to my detriment of being kind, I think people think that when you're a nice, decent person, um, they think they can walk over you and think that you're weak. And uh, I think sometimes it it's it's actually a strength if you look at it for where you can open yourself up and not be afraid and continue to try to be a decent person in spite of how others treat you and, and in spite of people who intentionally try to hurt you. So, um, I don't, I don't regret, I don't regret any of the, uh, that aspect of, um, what my dad and my mom, um, instilled in me just by the example that they led just by living their life. They taught me stuff, but in a lot of ways, you kids, Kids look at that shit. Kids see you. They see what you do and they see how you behave. So when you're blessed to have good parents, um, uh, it sucks when one of them isn't around. And it's when, and it was starting on Friday. I saw one of my buddies from high school post a picture of his dad. I was like, oh, fuck. It's starting. And it's starting a couple days early. But that's, that's what it is, man. That's what it is. Um, but... Overall, uh, I I had a I had a good week last week. Um, I did I did a show last night uh, at the Williams Center again. I was telling you about that that show called The Next Big Thing, and it was it was fun. There were more people there. Um, they were more of them were uh, excited to be there, or ready for a show. So that was fun. I went on kind of early. I went on second instead of closing the show out the last the last time I was there. Um, and it was it was a better energy that night, and I did the last night, and I did some uh, new jokes, and it was fun, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. And then I went over, went over to oh, and I was talking to the producer. He's like, yeah, you know, we had this festival, and there's a lot of people in their main room and whatnot, because they're trying to rebuild this place back up, and it's a good little spot in the community. I wish I could have like eaten there. Maybe one day I'll I'll right right drive down there and go to one of the restaurants because it looks like Rutherford's a nice little town, and it, it, I I keep saying this about Jersey, but let let Jersey be uh uh <laughs> this area's best kept secret that's hiding in plain sight. Uh, so everybody that lives in New Jersey or knows or the comedians and people I know that um listen to the show they they know what i'm talking about but um yes that was fun and i got to try some of those restaurants and i went over went over into the city and and for a friend's birthday that was fun saw some comics and had a had a nice night last night fell asleep watching a movie i rented i'll talk about movies i'll talk about the blackening uh on this episode and then on the patreon i'll talk about some other stuff on a, i'll give you a letterbox dump uh, and talk some more shit behind the paywall. Um, yeah, so that was fun. And uh, in the news, Ja Morant got suspended. They finally dropped the suspension. 25 games. Um, 
So that's almost like a quarter of the season. And I don't think he'll be eligible for any awards or anything. The Grizzlies are going to be trash. Then right after, right after, uh, there's an article that said, uh, Nike stands behind Ja Morant. Of course they're standing behind him because his shoes sold out as soon as they were released. Like, I mean, nobody, everybody knows that. They look pretty good, too. I'm looking at the, the colorway, but the initial colorway looked good, too. They look pretty good. You you know, I never thought that, um, I don't know, it seems like players nowadays don't really wear the high top shoes anymore. They're kind of like a mid to low mid. Well, I don't know what the kids call what they call these now. I'm not a sneaker aficionado. I just know, like, oh, this looks good. I'll get it. Um, let's see. Despite Moran's controversy, his shoes have been released in three colorways, all of which sold out almost immediately. Still with some influence, influential voices in the sports world are not so forgiving. Uh, Michael Wilbon said that he would not allow his son to wear Moran's shoes. Um, they're 110 bucks. They're cheap on the cheap side for sneakers. Uh, Kyrie had some good shoes. His, his very first ones. I like those colors. The Jew hating <laughs> Kyrie Irving. I don't think he hates Jews. Uh, his first colorway was, was good. The other ones, I, I don't know. I think Felder has the first colorways of the of the of the Kyrie's. But yeah, it's not it's not a surprise that that this is uh that Nike's standing behind him. I was listening to somebody talk about how like there's just nobody and he's 23 and there's nobody that I mean, I I still feel like Giannis could be the face of the NBA. But then they they they're always looking for somebody's replacement. Like LeBron was in the midst of winning championships and being in the finals for like 10 straight years or so, nine, however long it was. And they're like, who's going to replace LeBron as like while he was in his prime? It was just so weird. But they're always looking for that replacement. It's supposed to be Ja and Zion. Um, but they're, you know, they're off the court activities are keeping them from being great. Um and just being in the public eye for the wrong reasons, who who Zion is sleeping with. That's that's that seems to be the concern. You know he'd be hooking up with I don't know how he's I don't know. He I just I, I'm not Corey Holcomb or TK Kirkland. <laughs> I don't know. But uh I he probably could make better choices, but he's twenty two. Um so I guess they're looking for a savior. They're looking for a hero. But right now, I mean, why not Giannis? Is it xenophobia? Is it the xenophobia of the NBA that's keeping them from really making uh, Giannis the face of the NBA? Or maybe I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know. I, I, I just feel like he should be. I read his I read Giannis's the book that uh, Mirren Fader did on Giannis, had Mirren Fader on the show. You fuckers didn't listen to it. But so what? But what, what do I know? I think he should be the face of the NBA. Giannis is how old? He's not even 30, I don't think. 
I think it's xenophobia. He is 28, so he's not even 30. Not even really in his prime like that. He's on a Midwest team, a working class team. Uh, he's won a championship already. He's won two MVPs. What? What is it? But he's also five years older than Giannis. I mean, he's also five years older than Ja and um, Zion. I think those guys will get get it together. I think they'll get it together. I hope. I'm rooting for him, too. Uh, you can see how uh, Ja's people say, oh, it's a toy gun because it's a little lighter and it lights up candles. But, yeah, he may, he may, maybe he just needs to sit down. And hopefully he gets the right help that he needs. You know, I'm not going to turn this into a Dear John Morant. Everybody knows. He knows what he's supposed to do. I just hope he gets the right people back in his corner. But you're not going to. There's there's no surprise that. Uh, <laughs> there's no surprise that Nike's sticking behind, sticking with him. It's got to be the shoe sales. It's got to be the shoe sales. That's the title of the episode. It's got to be the shoe sales. Um, yeah, rooting for him. I hope, uh, it's just so hard. These guys get beaten up and, um, during the season and then the playoffs happen, guys get hurt. But I think those dudes just, they're playing hurt anyway. And congrats to the Nuggets, you know? I, I posted a picture of, I forget who shared, I think it might have been J. Cole who posted a picture of, uh, M- Jamal Murray crying after they lost in 2020. Uh, I think there was the uh, uh, Western Conference Finals. And they lost to the Lakers, I believe. And he was crying. And then they show him uh, crying, winning the chip. So that's a great story. I didn't watch any of it. Uh, I think I was watching uh, some streaming stuff. I think I was watching Tulsa King. I'll talk about that a little later. Um, Also, this week... Every time I get to do this, it's a joy. I got to see a play. So this is my second play in a month, I would say. Uh, Within a month. Um, I saw Shucked the Musical. It's a play about corn and love. Now, on the surface level, I'd be like, it's not really something that I would be, like, pressed to see. It's not something that I would that I would go to see. But my good friend from grad school, Scott Stanglin, is in it. Friend of the podcast, friend in real life. He was in it. So I was like, I'm going to see this shit. So this was after the Tonys. I believe it got nominated for nine Tonys. And it got one win uh, from, I think her name is Alex Newell. Tony Alex... Newell. She did. She win. Uh, let me see. Yes. Newell's journey into their history making win wasn't as straightforward as some might think. So she did win. Alex Newell made. Oh, she. Alex Newell made history this past weekend as the first ever openly non binary actor to win a Tony Award taking home the trophy for Best Featured Actor in a Musical for their turn as Lulu in Shucked. I, she has this, this show-stopping number that's just... Uh, I'm fucking 
insane. Uh, oh, I mean, they, fuck, okay. They have a show-stopping number that was totally insane. I watched them on stage, and I was like, wow, holy shit. I got emotional watching uh, watching them sing on stage. I, I love I love good singing and stuff like that. Um, good live singing. Um, I got these, like, f- crazy front-row seats, and um, I got to see everything. It was almost too close. I probably could have gone back a little bit so I could get to see like a a more complete picture but where I was sitting at was great it was at the Nederlander Theater which is where the Lehman Trilogy was a couple years ago where I the performance that I was in on Broadway I got to tread the boards on Broadway for a little bit for a few months um at the end of the play <laughs> And it was it was uh, fucking cool. So it was good. It was cool to be back. I was telling Scott, I feel like uh, a guy who graduated and then came back and hanging out with the new kids uh, who were doing their thing on stage. But it was a it was a fun time. It's definitely uh, it's a crowd pleaser. There were kids there. There was some some sexual innuendos uh throughout the show but i think if you're i think if you have mature kids and you want to see something fun i would i would recommend it uh yeah and there were there were a couple of understudies on uh that night i i didn't even tell i you know when you you go to broadway you go to a show and you get a playbill and there's an insert that says this person will be playing blah 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 and I didn't realize that until the end of Act One. I was like, "Oh, this this person's an understudy. Holy shit! This person rocked. It was. Let me let me get the name of this this young lady. She uh, rocked out. So the the main character, when the main the ingenue, is this is 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 Maisie, and then the the she was not played by Carolyn Innerbickler. And this woman, Tracy Elaine Lee, uh, was the cover. So she filled in for Carolyn and she was great. Like, I didn't know, like, how I didn't realize that until I was <laughs> I was um, I was like, oh, this is good. And then I looked at the program. I was like, oh, she doesn't play her normally. Jesus Christ. It just goes to show you how talented these people are, how much talent it takes to to get on that stage, to get to that level. And and if somebody can't do the show, there's just, there's no drop off. There's no drop off. And it felt very like, like a sitcom almost to where some of the shit was so funny that the actors had to hold, they had to hold and wait for the laughs to be over and then continue with their lines and stuff. Uh, that happened quite a few times, and I think some of the actors got like, um, were were about um, almost on the verge of breaking. It seems like I could tell. I was telling, asking Scott after the show. I was te- kind of asking slash telling him. I was like, "You guys, you guys gener- generally seem to like each other," and he was like, "Yeah, we do." You could tell how they were just all connected. Everybody's listening to each other. It's a really good show. It was really fun. It was something that I normally wouldn't see, but since my friend was in it, 
I was just there to support and watch the show. I wanted to have a good time. You, when you're paying, when you're paying Broadway price prices for tickets, you want to have a good time. Um, but I really did enjoy it. It was a fun, fun way to spend a Wednesday afternoon. I think I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. I, I'm excited to for the next thing I'm I'm gonna see. I don't know what that is, but uh, I can't wait to to go back and see something else. So that was um, really fun. Another thing, I want to talk about people on the internet who steal your joy. The internet can be a very cynical place. I try on this podcast to kind of steer away from that. I talk about shit that I like, much to my detriment, uh, which is why I don't do the numbers that everybody does. It is what it is. Something that, like, I try to be positive. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've fallen short several times in the 10 years that I've done this show, but, um, uh, this is very light. This isn't super heavy, but the very uh, lovely and talented Ray Sani, comedian, writer, she posted something on Twitter on Friday. And I, I said, oh, let me, I, I had time. So I just said, okay, I was just scrolling through. And it was this thing about uh, British UK kids, white, African, and Caribbean kids okay wait how does it go british uk kids white african and caribbean descent they do a taste test of for having a taste test of soul food u.s soul food and these so they they're trying these dishes from america and ray quote tweeted it and said this is the cutest thing and i was like oh let me see and I was like, all right, because a lot of times Ray's arguing, arguing with people about uh, what's that show that she watches? I don't even one of those reality TV shows that she watches. OK, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to play the whole thing, but I'm going to play some of it. And I'll tell you which some of the kids that are are black and who isn't. I might just play this whole fucking thing. It's four and a half minutes. You might get some of my commentary. I might pause. I don't do this a lot, but I think it's worth it. OK. Well, what is this? What do you? Oh, and so if you if you're listening to this, it's on my timeline. I don't tweet that much anymore. So by the time you listen to this, you can probably find it. I don't tweet that much anymore. You can find the shit and play it for yourself. You can stop the podcast and play it for yourself. And right now, I'm just going to give my commentary. Okay. I think it is a scone. They're not scones. <laughs> they look exactly like they are. So these this these kids are looking at biscuits. They look like they look like Popeye's biscuits, and you know they call cookies biscuits over there, and then they call like bread scones. So they think these biscuits are scones. This is a little white kid. Here we go. It's an American biscuit. Biscuit nailed kid. it. Biscuits, so <laughs> what do you guys think of when you think of a biscuit? Crunchy. English biscuits are quite like thin. Something biscuit. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what are you holding right now? A biscuit. That is a scone. Mm. It's a biscuit. Whoa. It's so soft. It looks fluffy. Just like bread. You've halved it like a scone. I don't know how this can be a biscuit. Uh, black kid eating it. Another black kid. 
Mm. That's, that's really good. It's good. <laughs> American Haraki. <laughs> it's like sweet bread, basically. A fresh loaf of bread. You'd almost always pair it with something. Oh, yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah. Gravy, gravy. Yeah. Gravy? What? <laughs> yeah. All right, so they're about to put gravy on the biscuits. And the white, there's a couple, one white kid's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of this. And then the other white kid's like, oh, what? So here we go. They're going to watch. Why? <laughs> How do they eat scones and gravy? <laughs> now, it's a bit different than the gravy you might it's know. It's white. That's not gravy. <laughs> that is not gravy. <laughs> what is that? That is not gravy. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, this has so many vegetables. Oh, yeah, it's lumpy. Oh, it's lumpy. You have to eat all of it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. It's calling interesting. What is it? It looks like vomit. I can't like it. Lee looks like vomit, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> well, dig in. Let's see what you think. <laughs> I'm so scared to try this. Why are you scared? Well, scones and gravy seems really weird. Oh my God, that's so good. His eyes lit up. My boy's eyes lit up. <laughs> Mm. Wow, that is good. <laughs> There's a lot going on in that. I am baffled. Like, what even is this? Okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's quite nice. It's not too bad. Okay. <laughs> it looks and worse smells it rank, but it actually doesn't taste it too bad. It looks worse than it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although that's a very classic pairing. In the South, you'll often have it with southern fried chicken. Yes. <laughs> so now. <laughs> <laughs> so now they bring out the chicken and they just p put a, a a piece of chicken in front of one of the black kids and his eyes got big. And this is where I didn't notice this. I I just thought the whole thing was kind of sweet and cute because Ray prefaced it being that way. So I, we'll, we'll talk about it. But the kid, this black kid's excited. I'd be excited too. I'm not gonna lie, it's chicken. Fried chicken. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Yes. I love my chicken. You can dip some in the gravy and see what it's like together. It's gonna be lovely. Black kid. Mmm. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> yes. Just violating the chicken. <laughs> just I, want, violating. I want to taste the chicken, man. Oh, wow, for real. <laughs> it actually makes me happy. I'll go. Oh my gosh. Now, see, they kind of, now they just, now they showing all the black kids eat the chicken and the gravy and everything. Oh my God. <laughs> I ain't realized this the first oh, time. The biscuits and the, and the gravy on its own, not, oh, not amazing crumbery, but the chicken, the chicken is good with the gravy and the biscuit. It's good. <laughs> Why do they make this? <laughs> this? This is so good. It's actually so good. It's one of the best things I've had with chicken in my life. Really? So, it's okay. Big bit of gravy on the chicken. Absolutely lovely. In the South, they've also developed their own culture for biscuits and tea. They put gravy in tea now. No. <laughs> so that, that chicken segment, they did not show the white boys eating the chicken. Okay, they didn't show that, but now they're on the tea. We, it's a, about a minute left. I will. Uh, you don't have tea with gravy. It's, it's southern tea. First thoughts, I thought it was Coke. Sweet Why is it tea. called if it's tea? Mm, I'm very reluctant. Is this your first ever iced tea? Yeah, yeah. I know, right? We haven't experienced life yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Come on, let's do, let's do cheers. 
That's nice. That's proper nice. Yeah. Yeah. This one. Yeah. This is the winner. Yeah. This, this is, is the right. Iced tea is so good. <laughs> oh my days. You know what? I think that's better than hot tea. A lot wow. better. Wow. If I gave this to like my mum and dad, if they didn't like this more, we would have problems. Oh. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's more sugary than Coke, but I think it's a lot better. You're finishing oh, that already. <laughs> It's quite nice. It's quite, quite nice. It's a lot of sugar. A lot of sugar. It's a lot of sugar. I think I could probably finish two of these while he finishes that. Really? Yeah. All right, do you have a final word for anyone at home who's watching? Bring your fake scones and sausage gravy to England. Okay. Your food is weird and nice. Coming from uh, a country where we made beans on toast. But that works. <laughs> Fucking hilarious, sweet, cute. I, I loved it. It was great. So I watched that. And I think I write back to Ray. I was like, oh, that made my day. Because I was having a pretty a pretty rough Friday. My car was in the shop, and uh, I'm at the point where I need a new car. <laughs> and so I was, like, bummed out. I was like, damn it, you know? And, and I see this video. I was like, this is great. This is great. I loved it. I, and I said, Ray, this made my day. And then... My fire starter, homie, Ba, I think it was Ba, and other people, they start complaining about it. They say, oh, why the black kids' eyes get big and this and that. I was like, God damn it. And I said I said to them, I said, y'all really took the sweetness out of this from me. I must have been in a vulnerable space when I watched because I wasn't even thinking about them black kids loving that chicken. <laughs> and I put like a set crying uh, heartbreak and a heartbreak emoji. <laughs> But I thought it was I thought it was just like cute and pleasant, like these young little preteens or teenage kids like eating food that they don't normally eat and rating it, you know. But um, and then these guys are just like, oh, look at him. Look at his eyes get big. I was like, God damn, they are. They did just cut to the black kids when they got to that chicken. Fuck. Normally, I would have picked up on that. One of my one of my signature bits is about eating chicken in front of white people. So, I mean, I if I could look past that for four minutes, then I don't see why anybody else couldn't. But no, that that made it that made it funny. But I thought it was a good video. Um, but yeah, I, I just I did not pick up on that off the rip. I was just like, oh, this is cute. They're oh, they're eating chicken. I you know, because I had chicken and biscuits and gravy a couple weeks ago. I think it was like last month, Memorial Day weekend i went out and i was with with a lady friend and um we both got they had a chicken special and um we went we went to this place that i always wanted to try and the food there looks good i didn't see any like black or mexican people uh in the kitchen it's one of those restaurants where you could see the kitchen and stuff and it was it was good and they had gravy and they were going to smother the they were going to put the i think the 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 gravy all on the biscuits and my friend said she she was like oh i just want to i can we just do that separate and i and i was like oh I'm not, i want mine like that too and i was dipping the biscuits and it was it was good i i enjoyed it um yeah so um i thought that was a sweet uh, video but um and when anybody can interpret it we we all bring our own baggage 
we all bring our own shit to everything we see. Um, but I was surprised. I was kind of actually, you know what? It's not even it's not even those dudes. It's not even the Firestar. It's not even Bob. It's not even Great Uncle Bob. It's not even them. It's just like I, I'm kind of happy that I for for at least one time took the my cynicism didn't get in the way of me enjoying something that like that something that i feel like that was meant to be positive but then on the flip side it's like mm, why y'all ain't show the little white boys grubbing down i know they was grubbing down because they like it as much as we do chicken if you are uh if you are not vegan or vegetarian you probably do like love chicken and that was i think that was the point of my um, that bit on field running back. Like they were next to me eating a basket of fried chicken, grubbing down. And I had the meatloaf. And that girl is now married and has a national TV commercial. So. <laughs> okay. Being a, being a white mom. All right. So what else? Let's talk. Let's talk about let's talk about some TV and and we'll talk about the blackening. I watched that. Um, I don't know if I talked about this. I feel like I might have. I did watch that Dear Mama documentary on Hulu, and I did enjoy it. At first, I was like, "Am I gonna stick with this? Am I gonna stick with this?" And then I was just kind of I kind of fell back. Then I started watching this Glee documentary on HBO Max or now or now Max. That. That was rough. And I said, if I can watch that, I can watch this Tupac. And I actually know more about Tupac than I do about Glee. But it's uh, the one thing that was impressive to me when you when you pull back on everything. It's like Tupac had this five year run. That was insane. You, it felt like it was longer than that. But when you look at it, when he was a roadie with Digital Underground up until his death. That was a five-year run. That was it. That was it. And then you look at him being like, what, 20, 26? Or how, I think he might have been 26. Let me get this right. I knew I was going to talk about this, but I didn't, I didn't think. Let's see. 25? 26. Let me see. He was 25. Okay. No. I found this on the web for Let Me See. He was 25. Check it out. Yeah, Siri, that's, you you know, I didn't ask you to do anything. That's just Big Brother listening in. Um, Yeah, he was 25 years old, man. Five year run. That was a hell of a run. But uh, that that was my main takeaway, and then just like then the more more his issues with his mom, and uh, I think he was a, a dude that was uh, hurting, super talented dude. And then why shouldn't uh, an artist like this be put on the same level as some of our other greats who died before they could really reach their full fullest potential? 
you know, like in like an Elvis Presley. Well, Elvis lived for much longer, but just one of those American. Uh, he is an American icon. He was an American icon. Was is I don't know how you say that. When somebody's passed. He is because that 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 art and that work still lived on. I'll I'll go oh, for the record. I always say that. I like Tupac as a rapper. I was not one of those people who. Um, how do I want to say it? I liked him while he was alive. You know what I mean? Like so, after he died, people go, "Oh my God, he really." I thought he was. I thought he was a good rapper. Was he one of my favorites? Back then, I kind of felt like I kind of knew a little more about more about his stuff than uh, than Biggie at the time. Even though I was a, no, let's see. I think to, I'll, this is what I'll go on the record and say. I liked him as a rapper. I thought he was going to be a better actor than rapper. I thought he probably. I mean, he probably could have had an Oscar in him. I think he might have gotten there before Will Smith uh, if he was still around. Um, yeah, he he would have been... He was just so natural and so real, like a like a chameleon. Like, he played this really sweet guy in uh, uh, Poetic Justice, and then, obviously, in Juice, he was a fucking monster. But yeah, he he definitely had the uh, ability to to win an Oscar. That that's where I thought that he was always gonna be. Like even back then, I was just like, yeah, he's I like him better as an actor than rapper. He could rap, but uh, yeah, five years, man, a five year run. Whew, that's something, man. Um, Tulsa King, I've been watching that. I I binged watched. The first season of it, the first and only season, I think they're coming back. I don't know when. So on Paramount Plus, I had a, um, what do you call it, a seven-day trial. I, I didn't cancel it, so I guess now I have Paramount Plus. Uh, I got rid of cable, like my movie channels, so I knocked down my cable bill some. And I just got like the regular regular channels and, and internet now. Um... I really like this. So this is the the Google blurb. New York Mafia capo Dwight the General Manfredi is released from prison after 25 years and exiled by his boss to set up shop in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Realizing that his mob family may not have his best interest in mind, Dwight slowly builds a crew. That's essentially what this is. Uh, he gets out of prison for covering for his boss, his, and, um, after getting out, like he lose, he's basically lost his wife. His wife died. He's estranged from his daughter. And, uh, he comes back thinking that he's going to take his same place and within the mafia and they ship him out to Oklahoma. And then he slowly builds his crew throughout the season. It's, it's good. It's a solid show. Uh, Sylvester Stallone plays Dwight Manfredi. Uh, it's a Taylor Sheridan joint. Uh, it's really good. I, I I enjoyed it. I was locked into it. Um, I think it's... I believe it's eight episodes. Let me see. Um, nine episodes, actually. Uh, 
yeah, and I really enjoyed it. So if you have Paramount Plus, uh, it's worth it's worth checking out. And I was enjoying it so much that I I was like, oh, I want to see Wind River, uh, the uh, Taylor Sheridan movie from 2017 with Jeremy Renner and um, white starlet Elizabeth Olsen. And I was like, oh, it's not streaming anywhere. So I had to buy it. I bought it on Blu-ray digital and just from Amazon. It was like 10 bucks or so. So I was like, ah, oh, it's not bad. And so I just bought it and I watched that. Um, then I started watching Mayor of Kingstown, which is uh, also on Paramount Plus and also a Taylor Sheridan joint. Um, Mayor of King, the Mayor of Kingstown. Um, this is, um, I'll read you the blurb on that one. Brothers Mitch and Mike McCluskey navigate Kingstown home to multiple prisons as they act as the liaisons between prisoners and the community. When a young guard, Sam, is set up to deliver a letter for a prisoner, Mike works to get him off the hook. Solid show so far. I've watched about three or four episodes. It's pretty good so far. Um, I always said, like, Taylor Sheridan's, like, white men's Tyler Perry. Um, One guy, a guy, the one another comic, we were talking about that last night. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's cool what he's saying. Like, he's like, well, I mean, you know, he's like, well, uh, he said, well, uh, Sheridan did Hell or High Water. And that's like better than Medea's Halloween or whatever the fuck. I was like, no, but Tyler Perry knows his audience and he knows what they want. And that is some of what they want. Taylor Sheridan knows how to put these flawed white men who are uh, trying to get their life right in whatever way they see fit whatever they know how to do that's what they're doing on that show and i applaud taylor sheridan not all of them are hits but when you got hell or high water you got sicario you got wind river um that's the the joints that i like um and a lot of people like yellowstone uh so a lot of people like his stuff and he's he's got some good stuff out there so for the most part he's he's done shit that i like Hella High Water was terrific to me. Um, and Wind River, also great. Um, so that's that. Um, still watching Silo. Still enjoying that. So, very solid show. The Idol. I don't know how much I've talked about The Idol. That's a new show on Max. Uh, I've, there are two episodes in. The, the third one's going to come on tonight. Uh, I'll read you the blurb here. After a, having a nervous breakdown that caused the cancellation of her last tour, an aspiring pop star begins an, a complicated relationship with a self-help guru, self-help guru, and the head of a contemporary cult. This is a Sam Levinson joint. It stars Lily Depp, Lily Rose Depp, and The Weeknd. I think it's okay so far. It, you know. Uh, yeah. Sam Levinson did Euphoria. That was his show that, you know, Zendaya is a monster, a force of nature on this. Uh, this is different. This is like, I'm just wondering where this is come, where I wonder where it's going. So I'm going to keep watching it. And then maybe I'll have a better assessment of it after it's done. Uh, the first season's done, but um, it's interesting. It, it's kind of like a, uh, meditation on what goes behind the scenes of of some of these uh, pop starlets and what some the some some of the things they have to go through just uh in order to to put out a video or 
their songs and all that stuff that her team but then some of it it it's a little too i'm not a prude by any means but it's just like why are you being salacious or what are you doing are you just being salacious and showing sexy shit just to for effect or are you showing what why are you showing it i mean what's what's the what's the end game so that intrigues me uh because i don't know and i think maybe maybe you could say the same for euphoria for them to be wilding out but it's but it's anchored all of it's anchored with a fantastic zendaya performance so it's just like are you just you you're putting up it's like euphoria is like there's these interesting set pieces all this stuff going i think there's some good acting and things like that and it's very um dreamlike in a lot of ways it's beautifully shot and you know but it's like for the most part it's anchored by zendaya beasting in every fucking thing she does she's like a lovable loser if you will this a lovable flawed character that you don't get to see women do let alone a black woman do um a young black woman um so we'll see how i'm my interest is peaked all i i'm a big fan just like people like reality tv i'm a big fan of like these shows that are trying to go behind the curtain of of show business that always that's something that's always going to be intriguing to me so that was the hook that got me in yeah you know lily rose depp how old is this woman 24 young johnny depp's was it johnny depp's kid yeah She's a cute, cute girl or whatever. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. The weekend's pretty good. For now, it's like I'm I'm looking at him as a hater. I don't hate him, but I'm kind of hating because he dated Selena Gomez. And I'm wondering if some of the freaky shit he's saying to, to Johnny Depp's daughter, did he say that to Selena? Did he? <laughs> so, um... And I think I think that show is filmed in his house. I believe it is. Someone fact check me. Nobody's gonna fact check me. You guys don't listen to this. Uh, you no, know, I think people listen. There's a couple hundred of you that listen, but there's no nobody's like, hey Chris, what you? I thought about the. The only people that do this that respond or email me, you can email me at mundanefestivalpod at gmail dot com, uh, folks, if you want. Um, but, uh, the only people that email me are solicitors. Like, Hey, I listened to this episode and do you want to spend $500 for me to help you with your podcast? You know, they, they're trying to solicit whatever the fuck it is they're soliciting. Anyway. Um, so that's that I'm, I'm going to watch a lot of people are trashing it and talking shit about it. It's, it's fine. I just want to know where they're. I was talking to a friend about that. I was just like, I just want to see where it's going. It's interesting. You gave, you set us up for uh, with two episodes. She's locked into this. She's gonna be in this under the rule of this self help self help guru. He's moved in. Let's see what happens. What I think is gonna happen is just gonna be her team trying to. Uh, 
trying to recover her from his clutches, basically. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, what else? I don't know. All right. Let's talk about The Blackening. Let's go. The Blackening. Seven friends go away for the weekend, only to find themselves trapped in a cabin with a killer who has a vendetta. They must pit their street smarts and knowledge of horror movies against the murderer to stay alive. This was directed by Tim Story. It was written by Tracy Oliver and Dwayne Perkins. Dwayne Perkins, who at one point was a New York comic, I believe. I think he was. All right. And it also stars Jermaine Fowler. Grace Byers, my one of my scene partners in uh, Harlem. My main scene, my scene partner in Harlem. Very talented, very lovely. Sinkle Walls, Melvin Gray, Antoinette Robinson, and X Mayo. I like any, eh, no, I'm not going to say. And I like this show. I'm movie. I enjoyed it. I, I, I say I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. Uh, I really did enjoy it. It was a little too self-aware at times, but it was still fun. It was still funny. Uh, the Probably the funniest movie I've seen in the theater in a long time. They don't really do these comedies anymore, these dark black comedies. It's more of a, this is a, this is a comedy. Um, it is not scary. Uh, is what is the rating on this? I don't, I don't even look and know the ratings. Um, is it rated R? I don't, I don't, I don't know. It has to be right. Yeah, it's rated R. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. There's this, the, the funniest moment I, I can't talk about cause I don't want to spoil it uh, to me. We'll get whenever Tim Hall's back on, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, we, he and I'll talk about it, but there's just one physical moment of comedy that was just like, holy shit, was that funny? And there, when I saw it, there weren't that many people in there. But this is because it's a, I go to the Thursday night. I try to watch the Thursday night premiere. This was at six o'clock and it's nice outside. So nobody's really in the theater that much. But um, there was like a handful of people, probably like 20, 15, 20 people in there. And I was dying. I was I was laughing loud as fuck at that at this one particular moment. Uh, this I guess you could call it an action sequence, but uh, it was it was funny, man. It was it was really funny. Uh, yeah, so I I I did enjoy it. Uh, it's worth seeing. It is in the midst of you know you got Flash. Uh, I have not seen that. Maybe I'll I'll check it out sometime this week. I think people have mixed feelings on that because of Ezra, but I want to see. I just want to see it for myself. Because of all the all the hype, and that's so st- wow! They showed the physical comedy moment that I was talking about in the trailer. I didn't even notice that. Man, I know you got to market the movie, but I don't think they should have showed that, huh? Interesting. There's yeah, it's just a it's a it's a fun movie. I think I think you'll enjoy it. Um, that's that's what I'll say. I I did have a good time. Uh, and it's so hard. These movies are, these comedies are so few and far between that 
you got to support, not just because it's black. I mean, you got to support this stuff if you want to see more of it. It's, it's so hard to to find a good comedy these days. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody about this on earlier this week. I, I was saying, you know, like this past week, actually, um, the blackening was great. And then you think about the last really straight up comedy that was that you've seen and to me it's like <sighs> good boys was the last one in the theater that i really enjoyed I, I own that one good boys was 2019 so that was like four years ago now something like that good boys and then before that was spy that i thought was just really laugh out loud funny like a mainstream like a mainstream movie, like that's in the theater. That what is that twenty? That was twenty fifteen. Yeah, I remember I bought that on Blu-ray. That was so good with my scene partner Melissa McCarthy. All right, folks. Um, that's a little bit of it. I had two slight flexes, if you will. I'm slight referencing me reference slight Al Bundy Polk High references with uh, being working with Grace Byers and uh, Melissa McCarthy. All right. So much for that. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I hope to hear from you, not hear from you. Well, yeah, if you want to reach out, but I hope to talk to you next time. Take it easy, everybody.